Welcome to the Prince Daniels Jr. Show. I created this podcast because I understand that we are all spiritual beings having a human experience on a journey to learn more, discover a deeper, more meaningful purpose in our lives, our why. I will be interviewing some of the most accomplished individuals in the world that have achieved a high level of success and have learned how to maintain it. I will also be sharing my stories and insight as part of my more than 10-year relationship with a monastery as a former NFL running back, thought leader, and author. And so now, let's elevate together. What's going on, everybody? This is Prince Daniels Jr., and welcome to the Prince Daniels Jr. Show. Today, I have had the great pleasure to watch today's guest mature from a young man to a man, and I'm extremely proud of his growth. We have a lot in common. You know, one of the things is we are both from West Africa. Another one is we went to Georgia Tech, and we had the same football number on our jerseys. Also, we both played in the NFL. So today, I'm joined by Jeremiah Thauchu. He's a linebacker for the Denver Broncos. And today, we're going to talk about the importance of your relationship with your money as an athlete, activism, and learning how to march to your own beat. I cannot wait to share this one with you. So without further ado, Jeremiah Tauchu. This is Prince Daniels Jr. and welcome to the Prince Daniels Jr. Show. I am here with an incredible guest today. Um, it's my pleasure to introduce to you Mr. Jeremiah Tauchu. This is my brother. This is my, my, my good friend um, who, who I have seen grow from a young man into a man. And so um, I have the honor to interview him today. We are in San, sunny San Diego where the weather is um, perfect. And uh, <laughs> so we're enjoying each other's presence, man. Is that your newscaster voice? <laughs> weather is perfect. 82 degrees. 82 degrees. Hey, it's perfect all the time. Um, in other places, it's snowing. So, but that is my my newscaster voice, man. So, hey, man, don't <laughs> don't come at me like that, please. <laughs> don't do me like that. No, but without further ado, Jerry, how you doing? Doing good, PJ. It's the uh, it's the off season right now, so it's time for me to recalibrate and detox from uh, chasing after money, chasing after <laughs> success. Yeah. You know, chasing the, after players, quarterbacks, right? Ch- chasing after quarterbacks. It's time to just turn it off and like try to focus on the important things that matter. You know, like uh, Marshawn Lynch said, he was like, first you got to take care of your your mental, take care of your mental and take care of your finances. Mm. You know, if you do those two things, everything will be okay. They'll take care of you. So nice. mental definitely comes first uh, during this COVID era. Nice. I, I remember him saying something like, uh, take care of your chickens, right? Something like that. Something like that, yeah. yeah and right. your chickens, right? That's <laughs> a, is that an analogy for your money or finances? I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. I think it's for your money. Um, you just like, take care of your chickens. Um, I, I don't know what that means, but, you know, I figured that it meant take care of your money. Um, but um, and that's, that's good. That's good. You know, since you're talking about the offseason, um, what, what, what are some of the things that you do in the offseason to kind of recalibrate yourself and get yourself uh, reacclimated to, like, um, like getting ready for another season that's going to come up before you even know it? Socially speaking, I think, like, uh, you know, us as football players, professional athletes in general, we start doing something so young. Yeah. So, you know, we start typically 
uh, for me, I started in the fourth grade, so 13, you know, now I'm 28 years old. So you start doing the same thing your whole life and you don't really know who you are outside of it. So a lot of us are socially inept because we never, you know, when you, uh, the regular students in college were going to party on Fridays, you know, we were checking into the hotel, study hall, practices, you know, eight out of the nine hours or nine, nine out of 12 hours of our days were scheduled. Yeah. So I think, you know, recalibrating means just socially becoming more acclimated to the people around you, your family, spending mm. more time, mm. reconnecting with friends and just people that benefit your life. You happen to be one of those people for me. So I find it where, you know, when football is removed from my headspace, I can open it up to, you know, to take interest in, you know, what my friends are doing. Nice, man. I, I, I appreciate that, man. Um, um, what, what is it um, that I do that helps you out um, when, when, whenever you can break away from being in the league and, and um, your, your day-to-day job? I think one thing for me, uh, since I've known you, is just your experience. First of all, you know, having lived this life, going through a professional career, yeah. going through the highs and the lows of it, yeah. uh, feeling lost, you know, to a certain degree, regardless of how long you play or do something for so long, you know, your identity is rooted, has been rooted in it for so long that, you know, there's always an identity crisis. So for every athlete or every, let me say, entertainer, Mm -hmm. there's a need to almost be rehabilitated, you know, whether it's going, seeking counseling, meditation, there's definitely a need for you to understand your self-worth, you know, in this life and understand that there's spirituality and things outside of, you know, some of the things you chase on a daily basis are, you know, of the utmost importance. Right. Oh man, that was, that was awesome. Man, speaking of spirituality, I heard you mention that, you know, um, one of the things I'm really big in is, is spirituality and, and, um, you know, I, I grew up as a, a religious person, man, grew up in, in Southern Baptist church, you know, but as I, as I got older, I had to learn how to balance, uh, religion and spirituality, understand who I was, um, because, you know, I feel that's something that we're born into, and we don't really have a chance to, um, like, make a choice on, you know, what 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 we resonate with, what we connect with in life. And um, I wanted to ask you, when it comes to your religion and, you know, what I do, I, I teach spirituality to get you to understand, like, who you are um, as a person. How do you find balance within that? And And one, and then before you answer that, you know, I, I know you grew up in an African household, so um, everyone in the African household is very religious. And, um, you know, we, we go to church, you know, on the weekends and, you know, your family has, uh, they, they have the, the strong religious beliefs that they want you to inherit and, and, and keep and maintain. But now that you're, you're, you're your own man, and you have, um, and, and you you you're navigating your way through life. You know, how do you find that balance between your your religion and your spirituality? I think uh, a lot of it is growth and just like uh, life experiences that really uh, fine tune your spirituality. Mm-hmm. I think for me, growing up, you know, being in a sheltered environment, two parent household, you yeah. know, religion was definitely, you know, crammed down my, you know, down into my head, you know, but it was it was never really in my heart, you know, like I never really had the the spiritual, the power behind it. You know, I knew the word, I knew what the Bible said, but I didn't understand that the power, you know, that in all those things, 
mm-hmm. came from within and came from me actually applying it. So, which was my spirituality and not focusing on the physical as much. Right. So I think right now I'm almost as a 27, 28 year old man, man. Yes, I was privileged to grow up in a household where I learned about faith and hope and God and, you know, putting my trust in other things except for myself. Those were all great values and I, you know, but to a certain extent, I'm almost starting to relearn, you know, as a man, I'm starting to relearn, you know, my identity spiritually. So, you know, uh, exercising my power, the power that I have spiritually to have faith and in any situation I'm in, you know, my, my faith and my spirituality always gives me hope. So I think that's the biggest thing. It's like, I'm not saying I, I'm going to be exempt, you know, before the, you know, my idea of religion and spirituality was, you know, I follow these rules and all these good things are going to happen to me and, you know, life, it will be great. But now it's more, you know, if I become who I need to be spiritually, then everything else externally outside of me will be great regardless of the situation. So I think that for me was the, um, you know, that's the turning point pretty much. Man, that was a great answer, man. Uh, I, um, um, I, I, whenever I speak to people, I always tell them or just prompt them with this question: like, before there were books, what existed, right? And, and most people are like, man, that's a deep question. Like, you, you know, you're going back, you know, pretty far. And the reason why is because I want people to understand, like. There was a life before books, you know, became, you know, transpired, became a physical um, substance in this world. And, you know, somebody had to write the book for the book to actually happen. It wasn't like the chicken before the egg. It was actually like, okay, well, this is a book. I can write something down and then passes on to the next generation. You know, so um, for me, I always want people to, to, to like think beyond because if you want to connect with something that's inside of you, you want to become the best version of yourself, you have to look within and you have to look, you have to take some time to look within. So with, with, with that reflecting, um, what is it, what, what, what are you looking for whenever you go into your, your next season? Um, because you made it out of this season healthy and feeling good, but what are you going in? What's the mindset that you're going, that you're going to go in with um, this upcoming season? I think every new, every year and every season uh, brings its new own new challenges. And for me, uh, football has been an integral part of my development as a man. So my experiences within that that six months really de- really define how much resilience I'm going to have, you know, going forward in my life. You know, how much <laughs> drama and BS that I, I I can put up with, how much politics I can put up with. So I think for me, going into the next season, it's almost it's, it's fortifying myself, spending the next six months making sure that I'm, you know, trying to do some type of meditational practice in the morning, whether it's uh, reading my word, meditating on that, you know, praying, doing something to, to take, to remove myself from, from the rigors and the, the, the tug of war of everyday life. Now we got, you know, COVID anxieties and presidential crisis and things like that, that, you know, you can get caught up in and it's all toxic. But uh-huh. I think just taking a little bit of time, even the other day you and I meditated and you know, I, I haven't meditated in a while, but the the little that I did do was able to focus in on, say, three to five minutes. Yeah. I felt so much better after, like, there was nothing. My head was clear. I wasn't worried about anything. Right. And these things are just practices, you right. know? Right, 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 right. Yeah, a lot of people don't understand that um, meditation is not a religion. It's just a, a practice. And that was one of the things, the first things that I, I, I taught 
taught you when I first met you. I, I remember I, I, when I came to you, I had like three books in my hand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but you, you know, when I came, I, I wanted to, to um, shower you with value and just let you know, look, man, this is where it is in these books, you know, not, not out there. Um, um, I'm, I'm coming in here to, to be like a mentor. I've been in your shoes before and I want to see you succeed. Yeah. You know, no matter what, because uh, I know I wasn't able to to leap, you know, bounds that I that where I I knew that I could become the best version of myself, but I didn't know how to. And so instead of me keeping all that in, I, I said to myself, I have to make a difference. And so if I want to make a difference, I got to make a difference within myself. So then, whenever I meet someone and I see that they have an opportunity. The best thing for me to do is to bestow the knowledge upon them of like, look, don't don't go don't go left, you know. Make sure you go right, so that you know exactly how to operate. You know how to carry yourself because uh, my success comes from seeing other people successful. You know, when I'm when I'm around um, successful people and I was able to add value to their life, then I feel successful. I'm just successful by association. So. Um, who who are some of the people that you associate yourself with? To uh, besides me, that, that keep you grounded, that keep you motivated, and uh, reaching for success. I think for just outside of the game, I'll definitely say having a older siblings. I have an older brother, Sam. Mm -hmm. Definitely keeps me aware of what's going on in uh you know in the corporate ladder and things like that. Trying to mm -hmm. you know climb up. Yeah, just taking me out of that space, you know, yeah. and surrounding myself with people who obviously are talking about having the same conversations that I'm having right now is important. So uh, talking about mental health, mm. talking about, you know, physiological health, yeah. spiritual health. A lot of my, I, you know, I want to equip myself with the right type of people at all times, yeah. you know, my finances, yeah. you know, so I have a, a few friends that I had, that I talk about things like that with, you know, uh, Anthony, who I went to Georgia Tech with, yep. Anthony Abunaway, we talk about yep. finances and, Shout out Bunaway. you know, yeah. plethora of, you know, role models, older, older male figures that I turned to. I wish I had more honestly, or, right. you know, I wish I had more guys step in like you did and say, hey, look. You know, I know what you're you're about to go through. You know, yeah. the, I got advice for you. The world is pulling you left, right, and center. Yeah. You know, you got to figure yourself out. You yeah. know, so you don't you don't lose it all. And I, I think that's uh, you know a lot of people could use conversations like that. Yeah, no, that's so true, man. Mentorship is 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 very powerful. Uh, a lot of us young black men we overlook that. You know, um, uh, you mentioned finances. You know, one of the things that. Uh, um, I used to do when I was younger was I wouldn't I, I wouldn't want to look at my bank account or my finances you know and I, and I I seen that um like a, a prevalent habit in 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 young athletes um when it comes to like managing your finances and looking at your finances what's your relationship with it as far as my relationship with it I'm I was a lot like you honestly mm -hmm. I don't you know if you are always thinking about money, it can, it can bog you down from like the day to day, the grind. Yeah. So by by the day to day grind, I mean just what do you have to do today to 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 be the best you can be today without thinking about how much you're getting paid or you know what's going on. So right. it's important to keep that in perspective, but it's yeah. also important to you know identify your wants and needs. Mm. You know, I think personally, I believe in a simpler lifestyle. Yeah. I enjoy what God has blessed me with, but I just I don't need much. I don't. All right. I've only bought two watches in my life. I've lost both of them, so I'm not buying another <laughs> one. So, 
I'm not buying another one until I'm ready to. <laughs> I'm ready to hold on to my watch. So I like right. I discipline myself like that. I yeah. understand myself. I'm, I don't buy things that I know I might lose or, mm-hmm. you know, I might leave on a plane or something like that. So I've seen guys lose a handful of fifty grand, a hundred grand, you know, oh. on a bus, on a plane, you know. So I try not to make those type of mistakes. I, I try to have more assets. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. then liabilities, right? Liabilities. So <laughs> I think that's liabilities. just like I'm at a point right now. I'm not trying to impress anybody. I don't care, right? If you know what I have, like you know, I'm just like I'm just trying to enjoy my life to the best of my abilities, you know, without worrying about what people think about me, right? What car they think I should be driving, right? And, you know, things. So I think when you kind of get to that point where you're confident in who you are and you're living life. You're marching to the beat of your own drum. Mm. Then you're not doing stuff you don't need to be doing. You're not buying, you know, excessive things yeah. and trying to impress people. You know, because you just your 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 standard is you. Right. But I mean, it's easy to get caught up in the next man's pockets and yeah. things like that. But yeah. monkey you, see, monkey do. Monkey see, monkey do. It's yeah. always important to focus on yourself. Focus on what God has in store for you. What's ahead of you. Yeah. And then also be happy for the next man if they do if they do do better for than you. That's an that's another reality. Mm. You know that people don't. It, it takes us. It takes a special person to yeah. really genuinely come around somebody and be happy for their success. Right. Regardless of how their situation went. So right. Right. those are the two things that just those things just you know create blessings in your life. Oof, man, that was that's such a strong um uh like gem that you just dropped, man. And just about learning how to be happy for someone else when 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 they receive success. You know, one of the things that I've learned is um I read a book from Napoleon Hill. Uh, and I think it was um, outwitting the devil. And he had mentioned just like, you know, if you want to be successful, you got to be able to, uh, if you want to be successful and you see that another man that's in your position that is more successful than you, then you have to be happy for that person because that's where you want to be. So if you use your energy to say, uh, if you use your energy for envious, um, to be envy or jealous, then... Uh, what happens is then that's where you go. That's where your energy goes and you kind of down spiral into a depression and, and you stay in that jealous space. Um, but whenever you want to be successful as well, your success will come. You just have to be patient. And, um, and, and, and that's where your energy flows as well. But you become successful when you, whenever you can let go of your ego and not be jealous of someone else's success. So um, that was, that was key that you mentioned that. Um, so now that you are 28 years old, how many more years do you want to play in the league or what's your ideal number? I personally, I never really, I never even had a goal of playing in the NFL, uh, even mm-hmm. when I was in college. No. So I never really, I'm not the type of person that always like, yeah, it's important to set goals, but yeah. it's just as important to determine how hard you're willing to work for that goal. Mm. So I think for me, I just, I determined that whatever it took, yeah. whatever situation I'm in, I'm going to work as hard as I can yeah. and, you know, finish this thing off. Right. And I know God is going to honor that. He's going to give me the years that I deserve. And, you know, I'm going to walk out of the game healthy and, mm. you know, and be happy about that. Man. So you you mentioned goals. What are your goals? Like, and, and do you write your goals down or you just, you, you just have them in your head and you're like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to stay focused on that. You know, I, I believe in writing things down. So they, you know, uh, come into, they come into fruition or existence, but personally as a athlete, the, the, when you get too statistical and you get too technical about things, we know that the game is 
you know, it's your hard work brings you luck, mm. you know? So there's still that element of luck. And I don't think right now goals is like having good luck is not a goal. So that's just something you just work hard and everything else will fall in place. So, but I mean, that's my personal thing. I don't write them down because I don't want to be sitting here at a certain point in the season and be like, dang, I don't have this goal. And now you're feeling, now your energy is shifting. Now you're not, you know, so I try to make sure that, hey, just focus on the day to day, focus on the little things. Things are not going to be good for a few weeks, mm-hmm. but they'll straighten out, you mm-hmm. know. So it's always that constant, you know, keeping your head down type of thing. Yeah, man. I, I know you have a foundation, right? Um, uh, it's a sickle cell foundation, right? Yeah. Um, your sister has sickle cell and um, you're very active in it. Um, what, what about the foundation that brings you joy, man? What is it that you enjoy doing whenever you're working in the foundation? Just honestly having the ability to give back, coming from where I come from, um, coming from Nigeria, you know, moving to the United States, growing up in the inner city in D.C. Yeah. I've seen life from every end of the spectrum. Mm. So, I, you know, I've had roaches crawling out my cereal box in the morning as a kid and yeah. stuff with rats, you know, out the pot type thing. So right. it's like, and then... I, I know what that life is like. So I'm 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 at a point in my life where I feel like anything I do should be to help somebody else's life or better mm-hmm. somebody else's life. I feel extremely privileged. Yeah. You know, it was I did an interview in college and I told the interviewer, I was like, hey, you know, if this is it, if this is all God wants to do for me, you mm-hmm. know, I've done I've I've been it's good. I'm happy, I'm content. And right. I think that's an important important quality is just being content and like Hey, I got a full ride to go to college. I'm content. Thank you, God. Now, yeah. if you want me to play in the league longer, so be it. So I think when you when I got to that point, God was like, okay, this guy has the right, you know, attitude and the right heart. So boom. Yeah. You're so, a vessel. You're an instrument. You I'm, know. Exactly. I make myself more and it. it's it's the me, the me, me, me mentality. I think that what the hardships taught me was, you know, yeah, I write these goals. You know, there's a there's a proverb that says, you know, it's on my you know, it's on my Instagram. It's like a, a man in his in a, in a man's heart. He plans out his his ways. Like he plans out what he's gonna do. He makes goals, right? But God establishes his steps. Mm. So sometimes, if my I feel like my goals might not be aligned, I'm like God. Let them align with what you got going on. I'm just gonna. I need to surrender my will when I start getting big headed. Because the thing about success, what they say, fast success breeds ego. <laughs> and slow success builds character. Yeah. So, you know, when I get successful, it's like the ego kicks in. It's like, boom, I could do this. I can mm-hmm. get more. I could do this, mm-hmm. build this, do mm-hmm. that, yeah. buy this, buy that. And yeah. then then you start, you know, drifting away, you know, mm-hmm. and then you have to almost kind of bring yourself back. Mm. But I think for me, back to your question about sickle cell disease, what brings me the most joy about it yeah. is the fact that my sister has sickle cell mm-hmm. and it's a it's a cause that's dear to my heart. I've seen her struggle. Yeah. You know, it's one of the most painful diseases in the world. Yeah. You know, she describes the pain as razor blades going through her blood vessel type of thing. So mm. there's people in third world countries that don't even have painkillers right. to deal with this type of pain. So right. to, under, to, to really think that people are living every day and suffering every day of their life, you know, yeah. definitely gives me, you know, motivation and, and makes me more ambitious to bring more light to my cause. Nice, man. That's beautiful. Well said. And shout out to your sister as well. Yeah. Glory. Uh, glory. Yeah. Yes. And your family as well. Uh, so you mentioned that you were from another country, that you, you grew up in Nigeria and then you you moved here. You know, like, can you 
share with our listeners, like, um, like just, just, just that mindset, because the reason why I ask is, um, growing up in Africa or just being an African, you know, and then growing, um, being in Africa and then moving to the United States and growing up in the United States, it's, it's such a culture shock. And the, Blacks that are in America, the African Americans that are in America, are, are are tied to the history in America, and you come in with none of that history. You come in from uh, a, a history of your your country has has independence. You know, can you explain to our listeners like what is it like coming in um, to America, trying to acclimate yourself, but also uh, the, the the individuals that look like you don't really accept you as much because they they say that you're different or they call you names. You know, when I was younger, they called me African booty scratcher. You know, now I'm older. Everybody's saying that they want to be an African. You know, so like, can you explain some of that? I think for, uh, you know, understanding the history of this country is important. You know, when I first came here, I moved to Washington D.C., which is a chocolate city. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm expecting it to, to see a bunch of white people, you know, yeah. when I moved to America, just, you know, for lack of a better word. Right. And, you know, I, I actually thought his, his Hispanics were white, you know, in D.C. <laughs> we had a big El Salvadorian population. Yeah. And then I, you know, I coming from a black country, you know, yeah. you don't really know different. So, right. you know, I came in, I'm seeing these kids that look like me, but, yeah. you know, they're treating me terribly. They're, you know... <laughs> calling me all types, you know, the, the bottom of the pot and, you know, all this stuff, you know, about my skin tone and, you know, just just straight up hate. Right, just right, straight up right. hate. And that was the first time in my life where I really experienced hate was mm. from, you know, from my own. And right. for me, it didn't make me resent anybody. For some people, yeah. it did. Because I've had friends that have come to me, like, some of my African-American brothers and sisters, like, yo, why don't African people like us? Mm. But it wasn't so much, it, it, it has a lot more to do with the environment that you came in. If, if I came and moved to suburbia, you know what I'm saying? Right. It's a different experience. I came to the inner city. Most of the kids yeah. grew up in Section 8 housing. Mm. They didn't have two parents. They didn't have love at home like I did. Right, so when right, I came right. to school, they were picking on me, not because you know, they hated me really. They just didn't know how to show love. They actually might've really liked my skin tone. Yeah. A lot of times, a lot of the, the women, you know, a lot of the girls in DC public schools, they would like make fun of me and say this, call me this or that, but they really, you know, liked me. They just right. didn't know how to show it. Exactly. So I think for me, my experiences with my own culture, you know, with people that quote unquote look like me yeah. was that they weren't able to express themselves because they had never received it. Yeah. So mm. I think that allowed me to understand that it's bigger than, and I'm right touching on all this stuff in my book that I'm writing this year. But nice, you know, a lot of things are bigger than race, and you know, right. moving from a, a black country and moving here, and people's experiences really determine, you know, who they are, and they're good right. people and bad people, right. you know, in this world. So uh, that's, uh, and when you get caught up in the toxicity of America and like black, white, this and that, you, Correct. you tend to get, you tend to forget about that. You tend to forget that, Hey, look, there's good black people and there's good white people. There's bad black people and there's bad white people. It's just like, right. that's just how it's always been. Yeah. You know? So I think for me coming from another country, I was able to see things from a different perspective. Granted, I understand now the history of slavery yeah. and the history of 
removing a man from his culture and his identity Correct. where it's almost become you know early 2000s when i 2001 when i came to the united states yeah you know dc is just coming off the crack cocaine epidemic they're mm-hmm. coming off of mass incarceration yeah there's a lot of kids at home with no with no fathers with and no moms. fathers right so i'm meeting like this is like we trying to rehab ourselves at this point right like people hate they hate Africa. They right. hate anybody that's from Africa. Right. They hate anybody that's African because that's what they were taught. They were yeah. taught to hate themselves. Right. And it's been being an adult and understanding that that makes me want to tell my story more and bring light to those things so people can really under first of all understand who they are. Yeah. Understand where they're from, yeah. love themselves, yeah. and be able to show love to other people. Yeah. And go back to Africa. You know, I think that's very strong as well. And man, I'm I'm glad that you mentioned that because um, I had a lot of things running through my head. You know, I wanted to ask you about the the, Ka- the Kaepernick effect and then also like the Black Lives Matter, just, you, you know, just being an advocate for it and, and with the information and the knowledge that you have, you know, why, why it's important or do you, why do you think that it's important that you actually um, like stand up for it and be an advocate for it because you have a platform yeah. and you have, you know, the things that's going to help you 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 have all the things that 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 you want uh, that a lot of people want you know, to be successful. When the Black Lives Matter situation happened and the Kaepernick situation happened, um, were you in support of it or you were just like, ah, I don't I don't want to say too much because I don't want to ruin my reputation. I think activism is a touchy touchy subject. Yeah, you know, 2017, 2018, when Kaepernick started taking the knee. You know, initially I wasn't really aware of it. It wasn't something like we had a big meeting around the league. Like, right. you know, I didn't know what was going on. I just saw a bunch of press credentials and right. media on the sideline for the yeah. fourth game of a preseason game to watch a guy take a knee. Right. So I was just like, you know, what, 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 I'm just out here to play football. What's all this, you know? <laughs> it's a big idea. And then right? I found out what it was about. And, you know, it's a, activism is... Uh, what I what I would advise anybody who's in a situation they want to be an activist is really educate themselves, right. really know what they're being an activist for, and not just not trying to be a puppet. Because at the end of the day, mm. there's organizations behind a lot of different movements. So right. knowing what you stand for, stepping yeah. out in faith, and speaking out in power. Like me personally, you know, I didn't hadn't done my research into Black Lives Matter, or mm-hmm. you know, but I you know I heard some things about their website and where some of the money was going and things like that. Nevertheless. We all knew what the the what quote unquote the cause was. Uh, of course, it was a you know black people getting killed you know disproportionately by the police. Correct. So I I, I can support that. I can support bringing awareness to that. But right. 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 I'm I'm not some type of I'm not gonna wear it as a badge of honor. Like I will go out. I will donate money, I'll do what I have to do, but I don't have to show off that I'm supporting this or supporting that. You right. can always you can always be you know, keep that to yourself yeah. type of thing. But me personally, you know, I, my thing, what I felt like I brought to the table when we had a, as a team, we had a, you know, Black Lives Matter march. Like, you know, for me, I wasn't there to be political, say I'm a Democrat or say I'm a conservative. Right. I was just there to tell them my truth. Right. So I told my story, my where I'm from. And at the march, I just said a quick prayer for the whole, for the whole group. That's what I brought to mm. the table for that particular day. Yeah. And, you know, I can't, that's, I don't feel guilty for not doing more or doing less at the end of the day. That's but perfect. one thing I do say is when I look back in time, when I look at the guys that came before the 
Malcolm X's, the MLK's, the Muhammad Ali's, the, mm -hmm. the real big time activists who didn't care about their societal position and risked it all. I don't want to be the person that was like, oh no, this money's too good. I don't want to, but at the same time I was because <laughs> your boy didn't take a knee. Right. I was like, hey, look, man, I got a contract yeah. coming up. Like oh. I'm not in a position, Kaepernick, you know, he had already been, you know, been endowed. Like, yeah, you know, right. so I'm just like, you know, he's more flexible to take that type of risk for his family. Right. I came from poverty, baby. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> got to get that bag. Right? I got to get that bag. I'm not taking it. I'm not, I'm not going to take no yeah. knee. Like, I'm not taking it. I, I mean, this is going, they can quote this and call me a coon or whatever. But no, man, it just I puts think, you in a real peculiar situation. Put me so. in a peculiar, peculiar situation. I'll tell you this, though. I was driving. I remember it was the, uh, the Sunday after Trump said, the SOB comment of right. NFL players. And right. uh, I'm in the car driving to the stadium and I'm like emotional and I'm about to, I'm taking the knee today. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm gonna show this guy. And I call my dad and my dad is just like, in the calmest voice, my dad is like, don't get it. Don't get involved in that. <laughs> I said, he said, he said, my dad was like, Jerry, that's not your battle. I said, look at this guy. I, right? said, I said, dad, do you understand that I'm taking the knee for my black brothers and sisters? Yeah. And you are a benefactor of everything that African-Americans have been through right. since slavery. Right. You know, you're benefiting off of their struggle. So right. we got to, we always got to be, we're tied into the struggle, right? Right. I think, but... You know, my dad, he kind of calmed me down and brought things back into perspective. I think for me, I'm glad I didn't take a knee that day because it would have been reactionary to something that somebody, you know, you know, you know, in a in a position of power said. And yeah, I'm, he perpetuated. I don't. I'm not emotionally attached to the words that come out of this guy's mouth. So right. why should anybody be? Why should I choose to drop to a knee now? Like right. when I never, it was never my thing. I was being an activist in my community. Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. was at. It, I was going back to D.C. I was doing right. blood drives. I was giving back to my community right. the best way I could. Right. You know, being right. a mentor. So. You know that's you know that's just where I'm at with with activism, but yeah. I'm I'm always down to to say something and you yeah. know speak out for what's right. Nice man, that's that's what's most important. Speaking about speaking out for what's right, man. So um, as we start to bring this to a close, what would be some advice that you would give your younger self? I to give my younger self, I don't want to say it, but I'm gonna say I'm gonna say <laughs> uh, have more fun. I had a lot of fun, but I didn't have as much fun as I could have because I was too worried about everything, where I'm going right. to be, how much money I'm going to make. All right. You know, I was worried about, does this girl like me? Mm -hmm. I need a girlfriend. I'm moving to San Diego. I got to find me a wife. I'm trying to marry you. I'm trying to marry you. Trying to get married. <laughs> I remember telling you, like, no, that's not what you want to do. You was like, yeah. man, PJ, I want to get married. I was yeah. like, no. It's just like, don't do calm that. Calm down. Everything in, in, in its time. And yeah. um, I, you know, growing, I had so much success early in my life. Mm -hmm. I had, you know, scholarship offers when I was 16. You know, yeah. I'm going on an official visit at 16. Yeah. You know, got to college at 17. I'm playing as a true freshman. I'm playing against 23, 24 year old men. Yeah. Do that for three and a half years. Then yeah. I get drafted, yeah. second round pick, you know, playing in the league, playing well my first few years. And yeah. things are going great, you know, and that was for me, that was all fast success and my character wasn't being built. Right. I was, I was, you know, my ego was growing as right. a young person. And right, I right. just, I'm, I'm thankful the way God had things pan out in my life and in my career where I was able to slow down. Yeah. I was able to really focus on the man that's inside and mm. just kind of help him grow a little bit, come yeah. along and 
let the success keep coming. So now right. the success is coming. Now it's responsible success. Now mm. I can enjoy to the fullest. So I'll say to my younger self, just slow down, grasshopper. Enjoy the moment. Mm -hmm. Relax. Live your life. Yeah. Meditate. Yeah. You know, keep good company. Yeah. Always keep good company. Your yeah. friendships, relationships are good. Yeah. Be nicer to women. What do you want your legacy to look like? You know, I've been thinking about that question recently for for a minute. I don't have any kids yet. You know, but for me, you know, my legacy will involve changing the lives of a lot of other people. So I think me starting from where I came from. So I want to build a school in Nigeria. Mm. You know, I want to be involved in that part of the world. I want to give back, you know, being a, a black person in diaspora. I understand that the only, you know, true worth and power that as a black person I have is in my homeland right. being a better place. Right. You know, and having a place to be proud of and, you know, and having people to be proud of. So yeah. I want to definitely want to develop some type of pipeline program. I want to do some a sports academy, have, you know, for basketball players, kind of create like a program for athletes to be able to yeah. get recognized around the world, maybe earn scholarships, continue my sickle cell uh, initiative. Yeah. You know, just honestly, just giving back. You know, I come from a family of uh, service people. My mm -hmm. mom's a social worker and my dad is a registered nurse and a pastor. So they've always, their whole lives, they've always given back. And it's always been, they've never been money oriented. They've always been people oriented their right. whole lives. So right, right, right. naturally that's who I am. I hate when I get into an environment and everybody's just so, you know, it's clicked up Yeah. because of how much they make. Oh, your best friends are this or that. Like it's, it's, it's super, super superficial. Right. You know, you know, what's genuine are people that care about the well-being of other people. Correct. And at the end of the day, that's the person I want to be, you know, and that's the legacy that I want to live. Be a person that was genuinely concerned about the well-being of others and yeah. did sacrifice to make other people's lives better. Man, that's really a dope answer, man. Uh, I respect that. I love that, man. And um, I hope you see it through as well, man, because. You know, I, I definitely want to go back to Africa and create a pipeline as well for Ghana. You know, Ghana and Nigeria, man. And, you know, just doing everything um, for our people there. And then also bringing some of the, the, the African-Americans in America back to Africa so they can, you know, connect with Africa. Um, um, I just always felt, felt that we've lost our way. And the only way to find it is to go back home or go back to a place where, you're, you're in a country where everybody looks like you. And like One thing I hear a lot of African-Americans say is like, they don't know how to go back. They don't really have people there. And it's like, you know, they don't, that's the thing right there. It's like, if we can create like a, a space where people are able to make that pilgrimage, just similar yeah. how the people like Jewish people go to right, Israel, Israel right? and stuff like that. There right. has to be something for black folk. You yeah. Know, that, to me, that's reparations right there. That like, is. Teach a man, teach a show, teach a man where he's from, take him back home. Like, yeah, that's a you know. But people want money, and money comes and goes. But 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 people again, you know, for me, it just comes back to practicing mindfulness and meditation, man. Because then you 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 cleanse your slate. You know, when it comes to trying to identify with who you are, you know, when you try to identify with who you are through all these material things, then you'll never find yourself. But when you look within yourself, then you realize, like, okay, I, I have so much more value. I have so much power. I can find my, 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 my peace and I can find my power in my peace. And so whenever you can do that, then you, you realize like the, the, 
the type of character uh, of individual that you are. You know, my dad used to always say charity begins at home. And I never really understood that until later when I, when I became an adult because uh, <clears throat> it's, those, it's those things that build your character. So whenever you go out into the world, you know how to, how to conduct yourself, you know who you are, and you know, you know the world can't shake you, man, or nor break you because you, 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 you have the support that you need and the foundation that you need. So um, I, think, I think it was, a, it was an honor and a privilege to, you know, to grow up in, a, in an African household and um, just have that 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 love and that mindset because it was it was a different different type of process whenever you grow up like that. Uh, um, but man, as we come to the end of this interview, um, Jerry, I want to say, man, thank you so much. Uh, are there any last words that you want to uh, leave for the audience? No. <laughs> 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 no, I said a lot though, but it's definitely an honor to be on with you, PJ. Uh, no. Definitely felt like you were a godsend when I was here in San Diego, meeting you at that time. Right. Definitely brought a lot of calm to my life. That's awesome. Brought a lot more focus. I was way more aware of the things that I wasn't aware of. You made me super aware. You were like, hey, Jerry, you know, you're going to experience this, that, and the, the third, you got to know how to manage it and right. keep your emotions together. And the biggest thing was that you never wanted anything from me. You always wanted me to be successful. You always wanted to see me do well right. you know and ultimately you know you you've been blessed for that and you will you continue to be blessed for that so i appreciate that man i appreciate you for saying that man that, that goes a long way man that's why um i got you this book man I wrote, I wrote this book uh with you in mind as well man mindfulness for the ultimate athlete uh, mastering the balance between your power and peace so whenever you get a chance to wrap your mind around that and 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 dive into it, man. You know, just let For me sure. know. I can't wait to read it, man. Appreciate you. <clears throat> yeah, man. I got a course that goes along with it. So I'm trying to get all your teammates on there, man. So y'all can go and win the championship, man. So hey, Denver Broncos, holler at me, all right? <laughs> Other than that, guys, thank you so much. Jerry, thank you so much. I want you guys to have an amazing day. And remember, if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review. And if you know someone that can benefit from this episode, please make sure you share this with them. We're here to empower you, to educate you, and to give you the knowledge that these successful individuals have experienced so that you can embody their experiences and stories and apply it to your life and become the best version of yourself. My name is Prince. I'll see you for the next episode. Peace.